Ablative armor. Cloaking device. Oh yeah. Overpowered. Overgunned. Oh yeah. Designed for one purpose. To get me hard. Oh yeah. It's time for the rules of acquisition. Hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition. A podcast where we're going through every episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And now we're in part two of a second episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show to start doing part twos and threes as much as this does. We're talking about the search <laughs> part two. Yes. Yeah. This uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, that that's Hugh Crawford. Hi. Yeah. That was James Nolan. You might have heard laughing. That's me. Yeah. Say, hey, guys, how are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And uh, my name is Wade Bowen. So, yeah, that's the drill. We're talking about what? Oh, yeah. We're talking about the search start, too. <laughs> yeah. This uh, aired originally on October 3rd, 1994. So we're getting we're creeping towards 1995. It was directed by Jonathan Franks. Frakes. I can never say his name. I always want to call it Frank. Uh, uh, who? I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't recognize uh, that name. Otherwise is, that, known, is that familiar from Star Trek? Yes, otherwise known as number one. The IMDb description is as follows. Odo has found his home and is introduced. Meanwhile, Cisco finds out peace talks between the Dominion and the Federation have already started. Boy, that is a lousy IMDb description. That really covers what goes on in this episode. Yeah, well, they don't want to. Yeah, you can't give anything away, like, really. Right. Well, IMDb is just not going to spoiler things, like, I'm sure we will at some point. Just a couple questions right off the bat for you guys. Uh, how many how many packs of cigarettes does the female changeling uh, smoke? Do you think <laughs> <laughs> she is an old darling? Uh, she's a sweetie pie. I went and looked back at like her. She still lives. She's still with us. She's eighty four years old. She was in like really? every bonanza and gun smoke and all that stuff. And uh, now she's and now she plays uh, what she does now is just plays old women CG characters. <laughs> she was the, one of the uh, the Green Lantern Corps in uh, the Green Lantern, so she's still she's still working. <laughs> the Ryan Reynolds joint uh, flip the, the with Ryan, the... that, that that also loved Ryan Reynolds. So, yeah, yes, back when that. a bad DC movie could kill a franchise. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> they don't do that anymore. Back before they were shameless about. I mean, they just stopped caring whether they sucked or not. <laughs> yeah, no. So she's in that. So yes, she's she was a uh, she had quite the raspy voice. She play a, a somebody on Star Wars Rebels or something. Uh, I don't know about that. No, I think I think maybe she's gone to the ranch. She's still with us, but not yeah. with us. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she's not. Yeah, she was born in 1935. So so. Uh, and what was your second question? Was there some definite like uh, sexual tension between her and Odo? But we we can unpack that. <laughs> I think it's more than just tension. Yeah. They, well, okay. So they turn into a foot candle at one point. Well, that's what happened, right? <laughs> it's not just my imagination. Yeah. yeah. That. Yeah. There's some definite uh, overtones with them uh, melding. <laughs> it's like that's like a that's like a Wiccan spell right there. Here's where I'm a little bit because I mean I'm totally the guy who normally sees way into that shit, and I, I never really. I guess I always viewed it like his mom, like she was his mom. Well, that's what makes it weird because at the beginning she acts like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's a maternal. As if we just talked about how old she was, which is very impolite. Odo's not a 
the youngest actor himself either. So I was like, oh, and she's in, they're in that makeup. They look about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's younger than she is, I guess. But yeah, well, I mean, he's not not by much. I mean, because I think he's was born in 1938. I just uh, I didn't know if anybody had any thoughts about um, about the world building itself in the changeling um, sort of like lifestyle. It seemed a little bit weird. Uh, and I didn't yeah. know how much of that. Well, and what I wanted to know, there's a lot of weirdness to this episode, and I didn't know how much of it was intentional for misdirect purposes or how much of it is just bad world building. So, for instance, Odo has been objects his entire life, various objects, but she, uh, the main changeling lady, makes a concerted effort to teach him how to change into objects and what does that mean. Now, my theory is that does like she's just trying to, like, I don't know what she's trying to do. Is she just trying to like, I don't know what that's about. Well, it's, it's, he's been a rock a lot of times. It's like, Hey man, have you ever been a rock before? Well, no, no, no. Have you like really been a rock? <laughs> have you ever man? been a rock on <laughs> weed, man? Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. So that's, none of that made sense to me, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, it didn't the care either. Cause then Odo comes up there. Hey, I don't know what it means to be a rock. And she's like, what the, f- what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, not sure what you mean by that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you dumb teenager. <laughs> like, and he's like, I don't know either. And that's the <laughs> problem. It's like, but I, I think that, okay. So, so there's a few things going on. You have the episode in the episode. They are trying to withhold the central mystery till the end of like who the, mm-hmm. who the, the changelings are. They, they don't, Everybody's watching this is listening to the podcast. The changelings have a secret. Well, we, they know because they watched it before they listened to this. I mean, so they're the founders of the Dominion. They're the head of the Dominion. Yeah. So, like, they're trying to keep that a secret to the very end. And I think they, you know, but I can't judge on whether they're doing a good job on that because I've seen this show, like, a long time ago. Yeah. So, like, I don't. I think they're doing. I, don't, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Do you remember job. the first I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't seen this yeah. show, though. That, yeah, were you, you shocked? That would know enough to talk were about. Were you it. shocked at the end, like uh, when you first? Well, looked? I don't, I don't remember. That was for so long ago. That's Me neither. Like, if if we have any listeners that are first time DS Nine watchers, yeah. and have watched and haven't spoiled themselves, and some by some fluke, if you're if you are totally alone in the world and don't know anybody that is really Star Trek people and insisted you watch the show and didn't spoil anything for you. Mm-hmm. And you're just like a babe in the woods and didn't know the reveal. Please let us know. Yeah. I'm interested in those people. Do you exist? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, it's hard for me to judge whether it was the weirdest thing to me is that they all come out in these pink velour dresses, Yeah, <laughs> including the men. And they don't all look, even though they're shaped like there's fat guys and skinny guys and there's an old, you know, right. clearly like an old woman, even though they have no point. Like that goes into. Yeah, that's kind of a thing in past episodes when we talk about like, oh, we've talked about founders or maybe it was just in conversations off podcast yeah. where I felt like there was an explanation for why they all look like they're trying to make Odo look comfortable, got- feel comfortable. Yeah, but we haven't gotten that yet. And I was like, do we get that? But they don't wait. But because Odo like, isn't this, wearing. A this vel- would be the time to do it. Well, Odo isn't wearing a velour nightgown like they all are. R- yeah, because, well, they're not going to look. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't know. If I wish Odo or Kira had said, like, well, you look like me. And they'd be like, hey, dummy, we, don't, we can look like whatever we want. We're just trying to make you feel comfortable. If there was like a line about that, then that's. I guess we should say, I mean, I don't, you know, no, I don't want to get too much spoilers, but I think we've done this before in the past. 
that this woman, the female changeling who has no name, right? She's female changeling. She is, there's a triumphant of villains in the show. You've seen two of them and she's the third. So you have like, you have Dukat, you have Kai Ratchet, and you have this lady. And like, get used to her. She's here, man. if you did not like this character i don't know what to tell you um (laughs) she's here you will you'll love it keep watching keep listening to the show she's she's great i mean i have no issues with it but i mean like they just i mean she's a major major character as the show goes on okay so i'll say that i read what you know because i read about iris even bear talking about the episode he was the writer on the episode it was his he's the showrunner so it's all his idea and i'll praise him in a minute so so don't like (laughs) get off me um, <laughs> we spent a yeah. whole two seasons of this show yeah. bitching about him and telling, calling him a I'm going to go back to that. You can take a few minutes without him being he crazy. He purposely wanted to make this part of the story seem small and kind of like boring B-plot because you have all this crazy shit going on on Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. And then at the end where the reveal is, is that all the crazy shit, you know, is nothing. Right, right. And this was like a major reveal. The major reveal came out of that. And I think that was his idea. But I think that's it's doing idea. that. I think that's not no, a bad idea. I don't idea. think it's a bad idea at all. Happened, I don't think but... it's a bad idea at all. But I think that the, <laughs> the, the, the Dominion the... are basically gangsters. And just to like, yeah, go have Odo change into a potted planter shit while we're in the back room counting the stacks of money. That seems kind of. <laughs> well, seems like... they're, they're, they're gangsters, but they're, they're not. I mean, the Vorta are simple gangsters. They're like these spiritual. Be it, you know, it's like it's like working at Apple. Apple's a corrupt corporate, you know, not you know, I love Apple, but Apple's a corrupt big giant world conglomeration. Like right. but, I, but, I, but please subscribe but, and leave a and leave it. Yeah, I for one welcome our Apple overlords. But, but in Steve Job or Tim Cook's office, I'm sure that's a deeply spiritual, holistic place where everybody's in touch with their emotions. <laughs> Just yeah, it's very hooly. Yeah, yes, it's very hooly from from Silicon Valley. And I I assume that I I always sort of looked at the founders as that they are. They're just trying to protect, you know, they want to go into their gilded room and just do their own shit. You know, they want to do their ashram, Vikram yoga bullshit. Right. While all the money, all the money crunchers are doing all the dirty work, you know. Basically, yeah. basically the Volta is like poly walnuts. And yes, yes. And they're hanging out <laughs> at the Bada Bing. And this planet where all of the founders are on is, uh, is Tony and the Duck Pond, you know. Basically, <laughs> yes. Really, that's what it is because I thought it was the island from Lost, but that's all. I, I I don't know. I think that yeah, I think you're maybe the only person that's watched the whole. Uh, well, oh, I'll have some more to say later on, <laughs> but I do think that all the Odo and change and founder or changeling stuff, I do like all that stuff in this episode. And I do think in there talking about their past and how they used to be going across the galaxy, but the solids never understood them. And so they had to hide on this little planet mm-hmm. and everything. I do think it does a good job of setting up the psychology of the founders as, yeah, mm-hmm. or why they, why they're like, you know, why they are the way well, they are. Well, anybody who's seen Godfather 2 understands the, like the persecuted immigrant turned yeah. gangster i mean it's it's like mm-hmm. it's the, he wasn't exactly a genius for for uh no 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 that but, into the story but it is i mean i but i get that it's like a they have a they have an no, ideology i mean they have a core ideology that they stick with throughout <laughs> the course of the show and and it is different than like the cardassians or so it's a nice you know if they were just conquer if they the cardassians are just klingons they're not that i mean there's subtle differences but basically they're not yeah, yeah. drastically different 
but like if the founders were just more Klingons, you know. So I think that they they tried to create a Borg like organization. That's that, what I was gonna say. Like this is was, sort of this is the Borg. This is very. It feels very Borg like. Um, Borg. I don't, I don't. Well, I mean, there's obviously. I, I there's don't think. Well, I mean, in the fact that the they have the great link. Yes. And the changelings do all kind of share this consciousness, though it's only when they're in the link. So, I mean, I think they're clear to, they want them to have a little bit difference than the Borg because they're not totally, they're not into assimilating. They're just kind of about order and, and ruling with keeping things structured so that they don't get hurt mm-hmm. is basically their whole. Okay. How about speculate, speculating <laughs> nerd corner? Do you think the Borg could make the changelings, could assimilate the, the changelings? Oh, oh! I've I've seen. There's been Reddit posts, and there's been a lot of talk. A lot of the a lot of the nerds have been have had this same discussion in the nineties. Even yeah. I bet when they were like, at, you know, at Usenet groups and everything, it's like, well, I think, um, I think the Borg would have problems assimilating the changelings because they're because of their non-solid structure, and that they would, you know, because the Borg's implants. Would not really kind of key into the changelings. They'd have to really kind of figure out how to have implants that were distributed across a a whole solution, you know. Um, so yeah, I, that's what I think. <laughs> so yes, I think I think that that. But who would win? That's the big question. If the Dominion went to war with the Borg, I mean the 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 Dominion is is just so big and ruthless. That's the problem. I mean that's the. I mean the Borg. I guess are and. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. I mean, I'm sure they're they're both big bads. I would, if you wanted to create a movie where the Dominion fought the Borg, I'd watch it. Right. I don't don't know how I would feel one way or the other. Yeah, and that's the other thing the nerd's like, well, you know, um, the chances of the Dominion coming in contact with the Borg are actually really small because Borg are from the Delta Quadrant, and the Dominion is in the Gamma Quadrant, and that's really on opposite ends of the galaxy, so the odds of that really happening are, are actually pretty small. But then but then you get transwarp drives and everything, and who knows, man? Or wormholes, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know either. Um, I, I do, uh, what do you I think, do Hugh? I do think that they're strengthened by the three tiers. <laughs> I do think that they're strengthened by Jim Hadar. Vortas and uh, oh yeah yeah. What do you yeah. think? All right. Who do you got in a fight, Hugh? Oh, I would imagine that the Borg cannot get their hands on the <laughs> changelings. They can't fight on a puddle of water. They're slow, and <laughs> yeah, I think that they would they would short out or get messed up pretty easily. So yeah, <laughs> so, I'm I'm pro changelings. Right. So are we ready to get into Angry the the corner. messy a plot of this episode? Okay, so oh, uh, I have a yeah. few more. I have a few more changeling thoughts. Okay, um, because oh, speaking of that word changelings, which was a slur given to them by the solids, oh, yes, and but in defiance, they took it and made it their own. Um, uh, yes, much um, like much like another term. That's can here. we talk about that? Yes. I, <laughs> yeah, like I don't feel we. We're not. Man, we're not going to uh, talk about. We have that. some weaknesses in our dem- in in our. Um, <laughs> yes, makeup. Yes, huh? we need people of color who have never seen the show before on our podcast. <laughs> that has some yeah, call in uh, by now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So they're saying. That, I mean, clearly, I think they're making an allusion to the N word. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 
with that or whole any thing. yeah yeah not any mostly i mean there's yeah i mean that's the big one where it's adapted as a symbol of strength and sort of team like club oh you know like a club password that that other people can't <laughs> oh you can't say it but yes yes odo can call himself uh, well, odo they, can they, call himself a changeling all he wants to you have to back off well, <laughs> like, and then yeah well not to get into spoiler territory, but you know the Federation is usually so um, willing to accept people and what their wants, but they call them changelings throughout the whole thing. Right? Oh, did they never had? To, they were never. There was never that episode where some <laughs> admiral called him a person of shifting corpore, a person of of, of non corporeality or non permanence. <laughs> Fluid, I, yeah. I'm uncomfortable with this with this whole with this whole. <laughs> no, uh, no, but I mean, like that's I don't know, like <laughs> this whole thread of right. discussion. But yes, but no, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some Federation people on Deep Space Nine who are like, what? Odo's like one of my best friends. He, he doesn't. <laughs> I can say yeah, changeling. Yeah, change I can use. That. I've said changeling in front of Odo so many times. He doesn't even care. Okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that would totally be Kira. Kira would make that argument. <laughs> oh no, you don't think I'm uh, I, racist? Because uh, no, uh, Kira's more uh, emotionally uh, sensitive to know not to do that. Because yes. <laughs> no, she proves. She? I mean, yeah, I think I think this episode shows how good of a good friend she is. To no, know. I'm not saying she's not a good friend. I'm just saying she's not a person of tact. But you're right. Uh, well, yeah, but she's not. Yeah, she hates the Cardassians. I've never once heard her say Spoonhead or Cardi. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have yeah. heard Federation people say that. Well, specifically, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, specifically O'Brien. Um, yeah. OK, so is she kind of she's kind of dead weight in this story. I mean, I think that I mean, the shipping is kind of strong going now between them. I think, I, yeah. yeah, I'm actually going to go the she's, other way. I think, I, mean, that, I think that you have to have her there. To show the oh, like chili reception, the chili reception that they give solid. I mean, she has to be the one. yeah. I think so too. And she's got the motivation. Her she you know to to uh, bring Odo back into like their shared world. And there's a little bit of foreshadowing at the beginning where they're welcoming Odo, and she's like, "Odo, this isn't a police investigation." To me, that was that was foreshadowing that like Odo is a cop first, mm-hmm. and a yeah, changeling, yeah. excuse the term. Second, and so at <laughs> and the end, she, he proves that when 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 she comes with him with the mystery at the end, he's a cop first, and the fact that he is you know with his people doesn't matter anymore, yeah. and that she's sort of a balancing yeah, and, influence for him because yeah. he was going. Yeah, she's like, dude, you should take your chance to be happy, you know, and like, and, and you know what, stress for shipping. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just and and just getting into the acting, you know, we talk. Hey, man, we've never said a bad word about Rene Aubergenois. But I don't know if I like Happy Odo. <laughs> like, See, he's weird. I, I imagine that it felt weird for the actor. I prefer. Yeah. Oh, most Renette. definitely. That smile uh, that he gave. When he smiles, that smile, man, is like, whoa, what? But it had to also come at something he, so goddamn goofy. Like, I know, like, I, I, I used to be a bird, but now I know what it's like to be a bird. Like, I don't know. Like, that was literally <laughs> what they right. said. And, like, I don't. And he's, like, flapping his arms and everything. It's like. <laughs> It's not as it's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and know, he's from an older era. He never, probably never had to sit through an acting class where they had to do that goofy shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, and you know what? And then nothing Kira did in this, uh, or not Nana visitor in this whole episode, made me go, 
<laughs> that's kind of goofy, yeah, that acted choice. And he's like, the whole time she's, you know, she's solid and she's solid. Yeah. She's got a lot of clear motivation and she's doing it really well. Like, I, and I, you're right. Now that I think about it, I was like, she's kind of dead weight because she's not going on any sort of journey. But you're right. Like, she's the Han Solo to Renee's Luke Skywalker and, and Salome Jin's Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I can see that. Uh, yeah. That you need that you need you need somebody going like what the hell is all the shit what the hell are they talking about this is all juke so, <laughs> right. like and you need to and, right. and like, can, i'm talking to a fucking tree yeah, yeah. Like, and i don't understand what you're going through but i'm happy you know you're you're mm-hmm, found your mm-hmm. folks that's the number one thing that's a hole in your life and at the end and say why do your your people don't need doors why is there a door yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly. all right you 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 do you go say you spend time with your mom. I'll be in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spend time with your mom. Trying to send a signal out to sister. I, it's time for me to go to fuck home. You hang out with your mom, with your mom's and your creepy hand sex and uh, <laughs> turning into fuck candles. Yeah, fuck, fuck, yes. And okay, so shit. There's a lot of like questions I have based on this that I have to put up like firewall. Okay. He goes into the Great Link, right? No, they give him a taste of it. Uh, he never so steps he's in, into a, the pool. he's in the kiddie pool. Just a taste. Right. Just okay. A taste. Okay. Okay. Just a, just okay. Because later on in the show, because then he doesn't he, he kind of blisses out. Yeah, he blisses out. Okay. Because I was gonna say, if he's in the Great Link, he knows a lot of shit. Like, right? That's why he wasn't ready. That's yeah. why, like, she had yeah, to make, they say, I guess, I think that if the, the trials that she put him through were some sort of test that he could adapt to their world, maybe, but that wasn't even that clear. Yeah. Been well, some sort of initiation. He got there too. It should have been, I think, yeah. narr- like, for the narrative, it should have been, like, some, like, the final part of the narrative should have been, like, kill this solid person so we know you're cool. But. Yeah. It would have been, like, cool. testing Well, he, he shut that down before. Yes. Test- Testing yeah, him as well, yeah. Because I mean, even the oh, the kind of the male guy in the face <laughs> yes. is like, it's not ready. It's not ready. He's it's too soon. And she's like, no, I'm gonna give him a taste. And then um, <laughs> yeah. because he wasn't due for another 300 years because I didn't know about the wormhole. I guess. Mm-hmm. That's because that's another thing that yeah, there he's one of a hundred infants. Or newly formed, as they say, and he's like, "You mean like an infant?" It's like, "Oh yeah, an infant. yeah sure, an infant." They're patronizing, and then later they just use it. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, and they have the urge to return implanted, and they sent a hundred out. And this is their, and... this is like their, inf- this is like their information gathering network, right? Where they, just... well, you don't know. It's like a, it's like there's, hey, we have these big plans mm-hmm. that we haven't revealed yet, you're right. and you're a chosen, you're important for some reason that we haven't disclosed yet, but. And then the other guys, it's too soon. It's not because they have a plan for whatever mm-hmm. for Odo and the rest of the 99 that they sent yeah. out. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. I, I think that. And then we had the obelisk from the alternate. Yeah, side. that's true. I think they could have like put more info into it, but I think it would have sacrificed the one off nature of it. Because, I mean, I think that even though I Stephen Bear was saying that he was trying to like every time it cut to this, they were kind of like. I think you as fans at home in 1994 were supposed to be like, the Federation is collapsing. You have to go back to the station. You know, like yeah. that whole the whole entire premise of the show has been totally upended. Why do you keep going back to this dumb shit? And I think that's what they wanted. And so then I think they had to make it extra. Like, I don't think they could have put some of the info and some of the curious elements of it in there in order to keep yeah. the mystique of the boring plot. They were trying to make it more boring. 
which is an right. Well, and the other thing is how much they've forethought everything out. They're dropping these little hints, like he's one out of a hundred, and oh, it's not time for him yet. And they're like little seeds of what this the story with Odo and the changelings is going to be later on. But I don't know. It's going to go. It's like lost. I don't know how much they've actually thought it out. <laughs> I think that it's I think just reading enough and I can kind of, you know, my horse sense on this. I think they weren't making it up as they went along. I, I think, think they had some. Ideas, no, I yeah. mean, like, I don't think they I don't know by saying that I think they had the seventh season broke out. Like, no, they didn't. But I think that they had a accurate picture of what the trajectory of this season yeah yeah yes. and for they yes. they had to have some they had even some arcs for later seasons thought out that they had to re-engineer a little yeah. bit yeah. with some notes from production and stuff yes. some additions uh, for production yeah 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 and no, that's, so. it's called that's called season four uh no spoilers and james loves it yeah, but uh, it, i mean it ends up working pretty well but yeah yeah, yeah. If, Rick, if that was Rick Berman's idea, I'm down with that. So they have thought it out a little bit, which is a good thing for season three to have a, the art planned out a little bit. Unlike season three of Lost, <laughs> which threw all these little seeds in and didn't know what the fuck was going on. But it's also, we're talking about this as a proto show of modern television. They're on a mystery island that nobody else can get to or find on this rogue planet. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a hatch... <laughs> that they find that they don't know what's behind it. Then we also have this other side plot or B or B or A plot for this episode where we have Cisco and everybody else and what they're going through. Yeah, let's do this big ass fucking Cisco plot. It's disoriented at the beginning. I didn't I don't think I understood how everybody got off the goddamn ship at the end of the last right, episode. Yeah. yeah, like how the hell did that and well, they have a commander's log. Yeah. Me and Bashir are in a, uh, get made it to an escape pod. Dax just comes on. And yeah, Dax and O'Brien are, yeah, we, we've lost, we don't have any visual. We can't see where we are. We're flying blind. We're just hoping somebody catches us. We're near the wormhole. And then Dax and O'Brien come out and say, hey, guys. Hey, we totally found you. Fuck how complicated that would have had to have been. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I totally get it at the end what they're doing right right but like you know at the you know yeah. when you're watching it you're just like what just like fucking that like you were yeah. caught like yeah like the fuck and, and so that like, was oh, come on back and they get back to the station and everybody's happy to see him but everything moves so fast that you don't actually have to worry too much about like that right yeah you know, so, well, yeah, yeah just what exactly how did that happen okay uh there's, they haven't found everybody but yeah almost 30 years of having alien of the week cheap murder she wrote type television actually played in their favor in this one because if your antenna's not up for this sort of twist at the end i'm sure it was pretty surprising back in the time well, it was just day. like what the fuck is going on like i'm sure it felt like the entire show was jumping the shark like what the fuck yeah. is going on in this episode you you could put yourself in the in the shoes of someone where the entire federation, the entire premise of the show, the federation, all of these people entered into an alliance with a clearly dominant villain, and and has thrown away everything that the show has worked for immediately. Yeah. At the I end, mean, all of all of this shit is down, like, and you have the cast of the crew going on this suicide mission to blow up the wormhole, which is the only pr the premise of the entire show, and in this episode that is with like a fucking bullet through like all of the plot of the show that you've just committed to like half of it's been spent have you really felt a bird like what it was like to be a bird <laughs> and like and i'm sure that in the you look at your watch you're like there's like five there's like four minutes left of this episode like what the 
fuck is going on? I, I jumped through the whole thing because I, I feel like that that's kind of the genius of like how what I like about how this show is broken out by I receive a bear is that that is a very interesting way on a, how to introduce a, a villain on a lot of levels because yeah. you're just making everybody, yeah. you're making everybody's head spin. It also makes the Dominion look fucking undefeatable, but you don't actually have to do anything. Some of it seems bad writing to an extent, but bad writing that we've seen in the show before where they don't explain. When they first get on the ship back to DS9, they're walking and like, oh, hey, Garrick. And I was like, oh, how's it going? Ha ha ha. Oh, you've been up to doctor business? What have you been up to? Oh, you think I've been up to spy business? Yeah. Hit, waka waka. It's like, wait a minute. I don't think Garrick would come out and never even joke about being a spy. Yeah. That doesn't feel right to me. But given that the reveal at the end, it makes sense. All of a sudden, Tyrol shows back up on the station and you're like, wait a minute. How the fuck did she get back? Yeah, that was... <laughs> she wasn't in the shuttlecraft. Well, yeah, that's that was the first thing that I, I noticed is that I was like, what the fuck was that? What the fuck is going on? I mean, that's how Cisco felt, too. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That was totally great. Such a whirlwind of an episode. It's so goofy and weird. Thankfully, we don't get a... We do not get a rule of acquisition in this episode because that would have been yeah. very confusing. <laughs> well, I'm sure that, like... You know, like, I try to think back to what it was like to be in 1994, and I'm sure that somebody went and grabbed next week's TV guide and read that the next episode is, like, Wacky Adventure, Quark's Wacky Schemes, and, and I think it is Quark's Wacky Schemes. Yeah, yeah, it so is. You're like, how the fuck does this, like, episode, like, how the hell does this show get back on track? But it, <laughs> it's in a really interesting way where you, you introduce the Dominion in such a way. Wait a minute. Pause real quick to back back up what you said. If it if you look at the TV guy in 1994 and it says Quark's wacky schemes at this point in the third act of the show you got to be thinking well I guess the whole show is about Quark and his wacky schemes because he's the <laughs> only way he's the only one that's going to survive this stuff. <laughs> they wipe out every character. Yeah. And it's just Quark. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, Quark has a dream and maybe that's what the show is about. Right. Has a dream. <laughs> and that, one day all people, fits. human, Jim Hadar, Ferengi, Cardassians. We'll stand together in peace around well, my dog table. I guess table. this show's about Quark's dream now. Forget Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you get all that, but like the way I, th I figure it is like, okay, do you know in like every comet, all those comet movies that used to come out or uh, Independence Day, they always like had a mini comet, like in both of those comet movies uh, that are yeah. asteroid, you know, like, right. uh, like what the fuck was it called? Armageddon, you know, where the, it lands and destroys like half of Chicago or the blowing up of the of the White House from Independence Day and all of those different landmarks. It's like you see, you give the, you know, to give the audience a visual taste of the dominance of the of the threat you're up against so that when you defeat it, it looks, you know, they look tougher. The, this way was an interesting way where you actually get to see the Dominions, the power of the Jemadar, like from last episode and this episode, and just the conniving intensity of the Vorta. Mm -hmm. And the Vorta is played by Dennis Christopher, who is in like two of my favorite things ever. Like, I love this actor. He's in Deadwood as the actor. Uh, oh, the, yeah, he's great. The gay actor in season three. And he's also in, he was one of the friends of Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained. Like, I think he was, the, oh, okay. you know, there was like Leonardo DiCaprio, the Christoph Waltz, and then there was him. Oh, that's good. Because I wasn't as excited to see him because spoilers. I, I was Jeffrey like, Combs. you're not Jeffrey Combs. Where's <laughs> my Jeffrey Combs? You're not my real Vorta. <laughs> exactly. You're not my real Vorta. Uh, so this is not our, the Vorta we deal with. 
permanently. Uh, there will be a, <laughs> United Iggy Pop. Oh, this sorry. Is a, yes. Spoilers. <laughs> yes, they, they hired the best people to be Vordas as the show go. <laughs> Iggy Pop pays a Vorda, and he's amazing. You know, you get a little bit of the Jemadar. So you have, like, the threat that it faces and like the true you get the full sort of extent of the existential threat of the dominion you get to see more of how the romulans are going to be big players that, yes in the dominion war and that the cardassians will fold over like a cheap card table you get to see a lot of the how that sort of happens and then there are one big plan that even shows like that the the what's the kill switch what is the what is the nuclear option for for Cisco? And it's to blow up the wormhole to shut him out. Oh right! And you get it shows you all of that, but you don't have to deal with the consequences next week, which is kind of like takes the pressure out of the situation in like a nice way. I think I get it. There's 22 episodes of this. You have to have Quark's wacky schemes, and the Jadzia has to discover if she's Curzon or not. Again, episodes you have right. to do that, that stuff. Yeah, but I will say, I mean, I'm not. I won't say too much about Quark's wacky wacky schemes, but. Next episode, it's a pretty important wacky scheme. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, but this, I mean, the tone of this show changed. Oh, yeah, totally. If Cisco before was like this, and they weren't doing it intentionally. They were doing it because they didn't know how to write to Avery Brooks. But if he was this sort of lithe, June sort of presence on station, that's over. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's still, he's still, he's not an asshole. He's still a pleasant guy. But like a ramrod of steel was sort of placed in here because he actually is a man. He's in the shit. Yeah. Or he's ready. You know, shit can happen at any moment. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, why don't you roll over? Like, or why don't you do this? It's like, the price is too damn high. Yeah. The rent is too damn high. (laughs) (laughs) He's the rent is too damn high. Yeah. And so, like, you see that, like, and not only that, but you see that Cisco is a man who makes extreme decisions. He's a man who can do that. Yeah, yeah. Like a moment. He's not a waffler. He's like, no, fuck it. Let's get out of here. Let's go do this and let's blow up the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, like, that, I mean, that's a great Cisco Garrick scene. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's it is a pity that the Cardassian Central Command thinks that way. And then, you know, it's like Cisco's like, you're right. It, it is a pity. And then Garrick is like, we have more in common than we I thought we did. Like, yes, we do. And then they're like, let's go fuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, so. Let's talk about the nature of this. Like, okay, like to get to the end, I don't think we've actually said this. This is all like a virtual reality. That the yes, dem- that, it's just in. like Lost. <laughs> it was <laughs> a flash sideways the whole time. They Wait, weren't virtual reality. Really, Lost? No, but it's actually it's more of a uh, of a cop show with the title of a certain David Bowie song. Oh, Life on Mars. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, but but it's the same what they were experiencing while the stuff was going on. It's kind of like Lost, but... Okay, so here's... It's like, oh, Lost would just say, oh, they're dead, but they're not dead. Uh, I assume that he and Jadzia and everybody are making their own decision. But Garrick was a simulation in the program, right? Yeah, yeah, which is why he can die. Which is why he can die. They kill him. They also killed... be able to have lunch. They killed the Romulan girl, too, but did she alive... She's in the she's in um the cave as well, yeah. Yeah, she's in the cave and she's hooked up, but like you never see her again. Did she die? Did she was she a, did she come out of? I didn't, I don't remember. I just like yeah, she comes out. She says she says okay. last thing I remember I was shot. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. So I got it. I guess I'm saying that like the Dominion really nailed some of these character things. Yeah, and I, I thought so too. 
Though I don't think that's like I don't think Garrick would have called himself. A Do you think we can let the guy. Dominion write the rest of the season? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Like I, I think that like Julian might think he'd joke about being a spy, but I don't see Garrick doing it. Yeah, but that little double cross at the end that was kind of a clever. Oh, it was great. Yeah, no, they they got their shit down. They know all about. That was General what, that's what I'm saying that if you think about it for long enough, if you let yourself think about it as a fan, like it makes, and you go back and like say on a rewatch, it makes the Dominion seem even more like because they do have all of this intelligence. Yeah, totally. Yeah, to to be able to pull this sort of using psychic stuff to get get like pulling like from everybody's mind. For, oh, yeah. Well, I think that it's probably I saw it as like they're probably doing a little bit of both. Like they've been running around. They've known, you know, they knew about them coming into the Gamma Quadrant for the last two seasons. They've just been hiding the Jim Hadar. Yeah. And then, like, they've been they've been taking notes this whole damn time. You know? Yeah. And they were when they were introduced last time. They were introduced as like they already knew a bunch of shit about everything and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably already knew the Romulans were going to be a big presence they'd have to contend with. Yeah. They didn't just figure that out from there. And yeah. And no. see how that would play out if they ran this scenario. Yeah. So all I mean, all told, this this I don't know. I, I really is, yeah. I, I really like this episode. Which is I also think. a Rick and Morty episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> all the best ideas are again also, that I've referenced yeah. like three or four times. No, I was gonna yeah. say all be, all good story ideas are also are, are Rick and Morty ideas. I think at this point. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, no, I I love this episode. I, I did. So. Oh, and then the, yeah, and then we get to the, another piece of very important information once Odo f- gets into the hatch on the island. And he gets in there and he's like, get these guys out. I'm not. And then they talk about his sense of justice. And it's like, oh, your sense of justice is just our sense of order. You know, that's what it is. It's not your justice. It's like, no, I believe in justice because of my time with these guys and Mm -hmm. they're nice guys. And so you can't kill anything you have to do to them. You have to do to me. They're like, well, which is a. And then she lays out one of the big guiding things behind shapeshifters for forever is that no changeling has ever harmed another changeling yeah and so when yes. he says you'll have to do the same thing to me they're like okay well we have to let him go scot-free because we can't do anything to harm odo because that's not what changelings do yeah they have such a you know solids you can do whatever you want to them solids are fair game suppressive persons but you can't do that to a changeling Depressive person. and that Very seems clear. like that that seems like a did you say a, a suppressive person? He did. I yes. did. Oh my god! Some people know what I'm talking about. Oh my god! <laughs> you know that you. Yeah. You know that thirty. You know that thirty-five percent of our fan base are Scientologists, right? <laughs> hey. Right. Uh, I, then they. Then they definitely. Then they get think, it. They get it. I think eight percent of our listeners, David Cassavage or whatever his name is, Miss <laughs> Cabbage, yeah. We've got his wife listening to us in a bunker somewhere. Shelly, get help if you're listening. Yes. (laughs) Give us a call. Hang out. We'll we'll let you on the show. Call call the number. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just let us know you're okay. Um, So, yeah. Okay. So, back to the show. Okay. So, it seems to me if they're information gathering or like, even if it's just as like some sort of infant rumspringa where they're going to shoot like all of these like goo babies out into the, to the universe <laughs> out, and they'll have them eventually drift back home. It seems like they would have some sort of mental fail state where whatever like civilization or programming that they discovered while they were out there couldn't fundamentally change them. 
Now, I'm not saying that I understand why they did it because Odo's a, you know, Odo's Odo's a character on the show. He's got to like be on the show, and he's also like a major now key to this whole thing. But like, it seems to me that like that wouldn't have flummoxed the Dominion. They would have been like, no, we're just we're just gonna wipe your programming, and you'll be fine. Like, I, I don't think, know. Well, the, it it gets into the reasons why they sent him out. Like, and they sent him out probably eons ago. Who knows how long they sent him out there? Yeah. And then maybe the whole point. You don't know what his purpose was, but like if it's just to learn, then you don't want to wipe his. And then maybe they, maybe the old founders knew that there might be something to gain from these people that will not be like them because they're so far removed. You know, surely Odo wasn't the first person to come up and go, "No, I love my adopted family more than you guys." You know, like surely they, he wasn't the first goo baby to do that, right? No, he was. He's the first one to come back because they weren't expecting him for another oh, 300 years oh, because so of the wormhole. Oh, so so this could also be like, a, oh, we made a very bad mistake with sending the goo babies out. Let me posit this real quick, guys. If they had taken him for uh, a dip in the Great Link, do you think that he would uh, he would just like say, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, smoke these motherfuckers and let, let me chill here with you guys on our goo planet? Do you think that they were like, so really... They were this close to like getting what they wanted, but that wascally Kira discovered the door. Counterpoint: Maybe if they let him into the Great Link, they would have realized that he was right, and then we'd have only uh, three seasons and two episodes of Deep Space Nine. You know, you don't want to let him into the Great Link because you got you got secret plans and shit. Either outcome ruins the show. So I yes. mean, it's like you have yeah. So they had to do the do it this way. It's a Gordian knot that the the, the founders they got the founders, you know they called their bluff, you know, <laughs> and they they got <laughs> off the planet because that's what's got to happen because Quark has got to have a wacky scheme next week. But um, wasn't this like one of the variables they crunched in one of their algorithm machines like that this these guys could come back and like not like us. I mean, that's the thing about the, that's the thing about the changelings. I don't think they have algorithm machines. I think they're li- a literal think tank. And the yeah, head- they have the Great Link. That's about it. Yeah, right. I think they just literally stew over ideas together <laughs> yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And, and then they got a, a blind spot that they wouldn't have thought that their adopted kid didn't want to go move in with them. No, well, who says it's a blind spot? I mean. And they think they would think it is. Spoiler alert! Wait, it's totally a fucking blind spot. Well, it is, but because he, spoiler alert, he doesn't get back into the Great Link for a long time. That's true. But I'm just saying that, like, that was a flaw, like in their plan to let Odo to let a man that you can't kill essentially shield a group of people that you have to kill in order to oh, well, implement your well, plan. And then you tell them your one weakness, which is we can't kill you. Yes, yeah. They do. I mean, they, they, like get, they get out of that. Well, they don't want him to hurt them either. They get out they of that at the end him. of the season. In a very, I think it's at the end of the season, isn't it? it I, well, I, I, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they also have to let him know you shouldn't attack us because seriously, no, no changeling has ever hurt another changeling. Yeah. yeah. So we're telling you because we're not going to hurt you, but also like, yeah, don't you don't want to be the first one either. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, I think the adopted parent scenario is uh, <laughs> is pretty in order. Well, you know, maybe yeah. you go back. You're you have an adopted kid. He finds out who his real parents are. They, you invite him over. You want to meet your new kid, and then it turns out that y'all are mob gangsters, and you want him to get into the family business. And all of a sudden, he's not interested in doing that. Once you've confessed that, it's hard to go back. Right. Well, because they're acting out of fear because they don't want to be the people getting hurt again, like 
changelings yeah. were. Oh, yeah. And he's like, come on, you have to get over your fear and, you know, learn to trust people and solids even like I have. And they're like, sorry, yeah, we can't do that. Also, also, we were the mafia. Yeah. Any final thoughts for you, Wade? DS9, it's better than Lost. That actually is probably like a, a good selling point. People still love Lost. Yeah, but they all hate the ending. They all hate the ending. What's this rating, Hugh? I did read somewhere that Iris Stephen Bear says that fans don't like this episode. Was Rene Aubergenois still pissed about him not being the only changeling? I don't know. I think he, you know, he was happy with it. It gives him, obviously, he got to fly like a bird. <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think this is at? I'm going to go uh, 7.7. I was going to say 7.7 too. This one has uh, 632 votes and James is way off base. Uh, fans do like this show. It's at 8.2. Whoa! Oh, okay. Like I, we agree. I was, I was. See, <laughs> yeah, I was trying we, to be overballing. I was trying to be over clever by guessing other people. I think it's a good. I think it's fine. I think it's not too clever for its own good. And mm-hmm. I think we actually do want to see, like you said, we do want to see what Cisco would do in that situation. And that simulation was sort of thrilling for the Star Trek viewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the uh, trick made sense. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, you son of a bitch. That's yeah. just. And it sets Getting up one villain. Villain. it sets up a villain a formidable villain and some new challenges for our friends on Deep Space Nine. So uh if uh if that's it for this week, uh I hope you join us next week where we'll be talking about Quark's goofy adventures. What's yeah. the name of this episode, James? The House uh, House of Quark House, House of Quark. It is a it House is, of Quark, right? The Klingon Quark episode. So don't you want to see that? Yeah, everybody loves the Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> some people love the Ferengi. <laughs> yes. Yes. All yeah. right. But, well, uh, we hope now are we going to let, let's take some, what are we even going to call the, the viewer uh, segment? Well, I think what we'll just, uh, the airing of uh, Star Trek grievances, comments and grievances. It might be around Festivus when people hear this one. That's right. That's so true. yeah. But yeah. How's that for a transition? Yes. We want to hear from you. Number is, 917-408-3898. Let us know what you think. Unless you think... No, even if you think we're wrong and assholes and, and you hate us. And tell all your friends how much you hate us. How much we're worthy of your hate that they should listen. Okay, so we'll go right into it. All right, so... Okay, and now we have a voicemail coming up from... I'm not sure exactly who this is. I can maybe figure it out. Um, if you're calling in... To the voicemail, folks, please identify yourself. And if you have a Twitter handle you want to plug, by all means, you should do that. Yeah, going forward, just when you submit your voicemail or Twitter at us and say you submitted something, however you want to do it, and we will try to get your name right and whatnot. This is a gentleman from... This is a gentleman caller? (laughs) This is a gentleman caller. (laughs) I have so many pieces of my glass menagerie to show you. You've you've been in glass menagerie before, right? No, we did it like in class in high school and I read it, I think. Oh, okay. I know my wife has been Blue Roses girl before. Uh, Brag much? (laughs) Not on Broadway in like college. I don't want to say too much, but uh, I was... I did pay, play Cooligan in my college version of Three Sisters and won an award. There you go. It's not a lead role. You won the, the best not a lead role uh, role. Yeah, well, I no, I got the oh, yes. Irene Ryan Award in 1999 or whenever. This is not making it in because nobody gives a shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a Southern gentleman from Charleston, South Carolina, according to the Google. If I had to guess that one of our first Collins would have not been from Charleston, South Carolina. That's kind of awesome. Got fans all over. Uh, but yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so enough foreplay. Uh, let me just play it. That is a lot of rapid legalese at the end. Anyway, it's not Richard Picardo. It's Robert Picardo. Just saying. And second, where is Bowen's wife or girlfriend from? She has a very distinct Southern dialect, and I heard that one of you at least was from Brooklyn. So I'm a little curious to that. All right, y'all have a good night. Happy New Year. James got told. <laughs> I got. I got. I got told. Uh-huh. No, uh, you're right. Uh, just keep in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a few drinks in. Uh, I don't know these things. I, sometimes I have a drink or two, and sometimes I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> More importantly, sometimes I don't either. I'm yeah, full no. of shit most of the time. And I will say that if I'm gonna fuck somebody's name up, and I do it all the time, but I'll fuck it up. I'll like, I feel like I'm okay in the fuck up sphere, fucking up a Voyager name. I mean, even though it's, uh, is it Robert? What is it? Did you not hear the voicemail it's not richard wow. it's robert yeah i don't have a defense for this i'm just gonna chalk it up to the booze we're gonna chalk here. it up to the booze I wanna, I, <laughs> yeah yeah i'm talking about, i think i was drinking that night but though uh mm-hmm. I, I say a lot of dumb shit <laughs> and and you're right i should have i should have you're right right you got uh the rolling stones guy wrong last week right i did get the rolling stones guy and that i no one wrote that to me on that on twitter i just noticed that yeah i, was I like, saw that fucker's name is mick taylor why didn't yes yeah. it was good like when mick taylor joined the rolling stones which is the when the rolling stones got great and then they got bad when he was marginalized out of the band um i think maybe for our viewers uh, that are just new to the show our viewers our listeners that are new to the show he brings up a good a good point uh geographically the three of us are all over the map i I'm in Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. Wade is in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and James is in St. Louis, Missouri. Yes. Yes. But Wade is from Georgia. Yeah, well, I'm from all over. I'm from Tennessee. But more importantly, she's. It's not my wife. It's not my girlfriend. It's <laughs> no. It's my sister-in-law. <laughs> she's the mother of your nephew. Mother of my nephew. She's married to my twin brother. Well, fuck you. That's still gross. <laughs> You get used to twin questions where they go, oh, have you ever, like, no, I haven't. <laughs> That's disgusting. So, Fuck you. So everybody got more than they bargained for with this question about accents. <laughs> so, because yeah, yeah. But uh, we do appreciate the call, nevertheless. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. That, so she, that, yeah, that question I'm, was eventually going to get brought up by a voicemail eventually. Right, right, right. Just, it's fair, fair right. to say. I'm from Alabama originally, and then I also lived in Georgia and Tennessee, and then after college i moved to brooklyn and i live in brooklyn now so that's all and she is from alabama she is also from alabama and yeah she lives in louisville now but she's yeah she's she she has a she's a yeah the thing is nobody from brooklyn is from brooklyn except people that are from brooklyn and they let you know that people like me aren't from brooklyn all right (laughs) yes well all right i guess we'll move on to the next call all right Mm -hmm. yeah that's that. Or Happy not. New Year to you too, man. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Let us know if I, I think I might have noticed who you were on Twitter from something, but you know, we'll put you. We, we want to know who yeah. you are. Thanks for calling. Yeah. We appreciate. Have your Twitter page if you want. Your Twitter page. Your Twitter feed. Your Twitter feed. Yep. Okay. Um, oh, and then and then we have a, another voicemail. This is coming from Los Angeles, California, according to the Google. It's it's Nana visitor, isn't it? She's, <laughs> She's in New York, man. She she lives in New York. Oh, I could run into her it's going. Terry I could, I, you know, it's my my dream and nightmare is running to into Nana visitor in this Manhattan somewhere, and she's saying, <laughs> "I know who you are, you son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah, 
I love I, I love you very much, mm-hmm. uh, but not in a weird way, and I won't stalk you. I'm the worst one. So. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna play this other completely unrelated to what I just creeped out voicemail. I just want to say Carrie Farrell had to play a lot of roles on DS9. Her role required her to play many characters within one. She had to encompass the wisdom and the lives of many people into one person, which is a surreal experience for anybody. But, you know, I think she did okay. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it. Lay off Terry Farrell, <laughs> assholes. <laughs> Uh, I, I, okay. I am, I'm seeing that I'm fighting a losing battle here. I think I'm just going to give up. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this one alone. Okay, well, here, let me, let me make this, I think you need to make, let's, let's make this point. Here we are, we are in season three. Currently, we're in season three. We, we haven't wrapped up season three yet, right? No, we've got tons of season three left. Okay, right. so yeah. in regards to Terry Farrell's range, at this particular point in the series, we have not seen a whole lot of range, okay? She does have to put... He has some valid points about having to play multiple characters within one character. I guess. But there are some episodes that we commented on at this point where... Terry only had like a line or two. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I, yeah. I think that I'm not, I'm not seeing multiple characters being played. Well, there was the one, there was the one where the past lives won, and there was, it comes out every once in a while. I, I, I think I understand what they're saying. Yeah. But um, I think when we were criticizing her acting, where we're, it's more of a commentary on where she is at this point in the series. So I do agree that she has a kind of a tough position, uh, but she gets better. So yeah, and she's she's counted herself that she was intimidated and felt she was not. She as, would have quit if it wasn't for Avery Brooks. She said that before. Yeah, a, yeah. As she, well, she all these to. like actors, she felt intimidated by all their prowess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, okay. All right. Okay. I, all right. You know what? You know what? I, I mean, at some point, like I I disagree. Just totally. I feel like that she's had a chance to show range and hasn't and shown and has shown a lack of it at this point. But she seems like I think what people are saying is that she's <laughs> what I don't what the best way to look at it is to say that she does her storyline gets better. The character gets better. What the worst thing and I'm not accusing anybody who's called in to say this. I'm not accusing anybody. But I think that they're saying I don't want them to be saying but they could be saying either one. She's she's. She's hot and she's friendly at conventions. And, or the second thing is, this is Star Trek. What do you expect? And neither one of those, I think, are valid sort of responses. And I don't. I'm not accusing anybody of that. But I, I, I see both of those as like true. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, Star Trek is marred with some awful acting, including Stan Sakai. <laughs> I mean, including some other people who are pretty, pretty stilted performers. Wait, 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 wait. Stan Sakai, you mean from the London Kings? No, no, no. I meant I said Stan Sakai. I was thinking of Isagi Ojimbo, Stan Sakai. Stan Sakai, the, the, the yeah, artist yeah, and writer Ojimbo, of Isagi yes, Ojimbo, one no, of my favorite comic books and longest running creator owned on Dark Horse Decay. Comics. Sorry. Right? Sorry, I was distracted. Uh, I was distracted by bunnies. I'm uh, sorry. James, this is late James, at that's, night. That's, James, that's arguably racist, man. No, the same fucking name. They, like, their names are similar. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all right, Senator Thurman. It's no big deal. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You're not a racist. I, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you. Stan Sakai from, right. you know. Okay. 
<laughs> sorry, George Takei. George Takei, no, no, thank, sorry. thank you for getting that, like, for clearing that up. Because no, uh, I thought I was saying. I was like, Stan Sakai. Including Sulu, who's pretty bad. Blasphemy. I, see, oh, I man. know. You still be, you're just, people are taking off their earrings. Yeah. They're going to go for your weave now. You can't, you cannot go after George Takai's acting. And not expect some more angry voicemails. Yeah. But I guess if that's I love the case, George, I love better- George Takai. I love George Takai. Oh, it's actually pronounced Takai. George Takai. K, I love George Takai. George Takai. Uh, right. But, but nonetheless, <laughs> I don't think in 1966, 1967, he was one of the best. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> now, he's great now. as a, like He's very refined. But I think at that time, he was kind of stilted on the show. But nonetheless, I'm saying that there's a lot of bad acting in Star Trek. Obviously. Warf, Denise Crosby. Uh, all of these people are not. Man, what what are you doing? What are you I'm doing? I'm pissing James? off every. Yes, <laughs> this is a show that's not. I guess the point is, is the Star Trek. What do you expect? I don't want that to be. I don't want that to be the defense of Terry Farrell. And I'm not saying that it is, but I sometimes I think maybe people are saying, "What do you expect? People. Good acting." <laughs> It's Star Trek. And I, yeah, I kind of do. Right. And I think we get, you're, you're thinking is like we're getting called out for like kicking a kitten. Or yes. Something like that. Yes. That's yes. what you're saying. I, what I don't is that the premise of our podcast is that Deep Space Nine was an like uh, was a necessary catalyst for better, for the, for the way we view television now. And that, and so to, to treat it as like, what do you expect? It was old television sci-fi. The premise of our podcast isn't, is Deep Space Nine a worthy successor to the next generation? No. We're not saying that. We're saying that, like, Deep Space Nine led to The Sopranos. It's better than Next Generation. It led to the, the era of the better television that came. Yeah. And so I do feel that I want to hold Terry Farrell to a Sopranos level, not to a Next Generation level. And, and that's not fair. To t- it is inherently not fair, but it is kind of where we are. And I think over the course of time, the show has Avery Brooks, it has Colmini, it has Nana Visitor later on. I mean, it's got Renee Aubergenois. It's got actors that we consider good actors. Right. Full stop. Well, it's like any anytime you're studying the evolution, we're studying like evolution. We're picking over the bones mm. of a dead animal here. And we're taking notice of its parts, essentially. And what makes it a proto figure for a different animal, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to point out what, you know, some skulls are, are smaller than others later down the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good analogy. Yes. I, that, that's yeah. what I think. And so I'm just, I'm trying to hold her to, to, uh, to a Carmela, uh, like to a, to a Edie Falco standard and not to a Denise Crosby standard. Oh my God. Could you imagine if in 1993, oh e- Edie Falco got the part of, of Dax? I know. Think about it. Oh my God. Oh my God. I watched all of Horace and Pete and her in the last episode is so good. Oh my god! I didn't yeah. know you were done no, with I, Horse I and Pete. I'm all done. With oh horse. my god! I yeah, haven't we're finished not, we'll it yet. It's theater, isn't it, James? It's, it, it, it it ends like theater. <laughs> it's theater, isn't it? Yes, okay. It is. Okay. All right. What what do you got for us on the last voicemail, there, Wade? Okay. Speaking of long, drawn out. Uh, no, no. It's actually this is a, another. It's not drawn out. It's it's four minutes, which is a little long for some of these. But this is from Twiggy. All right. It's a favorite of ours <laughs> in Australia. Yeah, th- he called in with his own White Album 12 episodes from season two. Oh, really? Very nice. I like that. He has some, yeah, yeah. So uh, Twiggy Flow on Twitter. and Oh, by the way, if you follow 
Twiggy on, on Twitter, great footy coverage. I don't really know what footy is, but he, he's got great footy coverage. It's footy's soccer. It's football, right? I think it's I'm Australian sure. rules football. Twiggy, you just cleared up on your okay. next voicemail. Hit it. Yeah, tell us what. <laughs> yeah, or other is. people could. Our British, we have we have Irish and British and some, you know, we have listeners mm-hmm. all over the place. They can tell us, like, footy is... Football, you assholes, or Australian rules football. That was not me trying an accent. It's Australian rules football. It's the one they play (laughs) in the circle. From from what the internet just told me. Oh, is that what footy is? Footy is also soccer. Yeah, I think so. But they don't like they don't like soccer in in Australia. Everybody likes soccer. What are you talking about? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Let's fight. Uh, He's talking about Australian rules soccer. I finally learned learned what a wicket meant in cricket. This I don't know cricket at all. And a sticky wicket makes sense to me now because the things sometimes don't come off. What? Oh wait. Yeah. All right. But oh, oh wait a minute. I was going to play this voicemail (laughs) from Twiggy. Uh, Y'all ready to hear it? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Twiggy, just sending in my white album version for season two of Deep Space Nine. I got my list down to 12 relatively easy. There was only one episode that I had to leave off that I would have liked to have gotten in, um, but I did a lot of reordering of the episodes for this one. So my 12 are The Homecoming, The Circle, The Siege, Collaborator, Blood Oath, Marquee Part 1, Marquee Part 2, Paradise, Cardassians, Necessary Evil, The Wire, and The Gem Hadar. The 13th episode that I had to leave off was Armageddon Game. Uh, I really like the the O'Brien and Bashir character bonding in that one, but I couldn't really squeeze it in, and I kind of figured that there would be a lot more episodes where they do pally bondy stuff anyway, so, you know, we might as well just get them in then. Uh, a couple of other episodes I left off that I thought about putting in were the rules of acquisition and sanctuary but the only reason I was really going to put them in there was because of the dominion related themes that are in those episodes but then I sort of thought that well I've got the Gem Hadar episode at the end and they come out and say in that episode that look we're, we're tired of you guys coming into our land get off of my property so I just like well you don't really need to see the the little hints here and there beforehand that still works like that <laughs> uh, I also left off crossover because having just watched the entire series, there is nothing of value in those episodes outside of a little bit of fun off the side. Uh, I also left Tribunal off, which I wanted to put in, but I think that there's more episodes that come with Miles being in the shit. Uh, there's an episode in a later season that I think does a just as good, if not better job, of Miles being in legal shit, so I left that one off. Uh, as for the ordering I've gone with this season i've kind of tried to break them into themes along the along the way uh the first four episodes are basically all focused on the bajorans i put the collaborator at number four right on the heels of the bajoran civil uprising again having not watched all these episodes for a fair while i don't know if there's a continuity issue by putting collaborator at the front but i don't think that kai win or the dude that Kira was fucking, I can't remember his name. I don't think that they appear again in the rest of my season. Uh, I then broke that up with Blood Oath because, you know, hey, fun jaunts with some Klingons and, you know, actually get some some Dax story for a change. Then I have the two marquee episodes followed by Paradise. The reason I slid Paradise in after these two marquee episodes is while they're not 
tied in in any real way. It's another episode uh, that focuses on Cisco, which there isn't much of in this season as it is. But in this episode, you've got another group of people who are basically throwing off the Starfleet uniforms and principles. And I think having had Cisco just go through the two marquee episodes with one of his mates and then sliding into another scenario directly after that where there's more people just saying, hey, we're done with the Federation, man. I think that hits home pretty well. We then have three episodes about the Cardassians in Cardassians, Necessary Evil and The Wire. And then rounding off the season with the Jem'Hadar, I also think that that is probably the four strongest episodes of the season. Uh, so it's a nice way to uh, go home. So that is my 12 episodes of season two. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, Twiggy, that was very yeah. thorough. I like I like his direction there. He did a good job of thinking ahead about what what you're going to get later down the road yeah. and you, using that to discard episodes, which is something that I haven't done yet, and I think I'm going to steal that tactic for future White yeah. Album episodes. Yeah, I thought after the episode aired, after we recorded it, I, I started thinking, like, I think, Hugh, you threw off Crossover. Yes, because I, I hate, and I, and I was, just like and Twiggy, yeah. tw- Twiggy. Twiggy gets it. He, he knows there's nothing yeah, there. Yeah. Yes, go on. I now wish that I had, I had thrown it off, because I think I kept it because I thought that there would be greater implications later. Oh, you guys don't remember how it's a key component of the Dominion War? I don't. <laughs> uh, oh, you don't? Um, I mean, because it, cause it, it totally is, okay. guys. Yeah, uh, seriously. If, um, if it is... Sure. Yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. But everybody made a case. <laughs> um, I think all three of you now have made a case that I should have put, kept Paradise on. And I really liked that episode. And I, I felt like that I still, I felt like I liked it like a minor episode. But I, I didn't, it's a good episode. I think about it still. So, like, yeah. I, I, it's pretty good as like the quintessential let's test the metal of our lead. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I agree with your reasons for keeping it off. It makes sense to me. But yeah, it is. A good one to keep too. I yeah. kept it in, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I should. Uh, it is like a Star Trek expedition episode, and more than a DS Nine episode yeah. in some ways. But in, in hindsight, I would kick it off. I would kick crossover off. Yeah. And put Par- Paradise on. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes. I'm still keeping crossover. Well, no. Uh, oh, I, I cut crossover, didn't I? Shit. You? I still like the mirror universe, you sons yeah. of. No, you, 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 you lovely you gentlemen. Cut the first of uh, the three parter off. And that was where you I got, did, yeah. yeah. Fuck Lee Nallis. I like Lee Nallis. <laughs> I, so I should have had, had room for the crossover, but I kept the alternate. He was the lead in the West Side Story. I know, he's, yeah. And Kira's uh, fuck toy was also the original Elephant yes, Man, right? Yes, he was. So. Uh, on Broadway, not, not obviously. Not John Hurt. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've only they made yeah, that movie true. once so far. <laughs> but also, I think David Bowie. I, I hope think David I Bowie hope... played it. Was in Brit. Like David Bowie. It's, played it's the, only a matter of time uh, before Zach Zach Snyder so. like takes out his his version of the elephant. <laughs> Yeah, right. I am not an animal. Uh, well, <laughs> they did do a revival in New York because I had to walk by it for work with... Yes, Bradley Cooper did a version, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Because in the stage version, it's like a sexy Adonis yes. instead of a... So yeah, you're supposed to be someone that's sexy. So it's supposed to be visually yeah, yeah. incongruous. So you can look at him for two hours or whatever? <laughs> yes, yes. Because they put a nice piece of meat up on the stage and say... I am not an yeah, animal. It's not only not only are you attractive, but you're in your underwear. 
through the whole play, I think. That seems like cheating. Yeah, yeah. But whatever. They should do it like Equus, where you have to be like schlong, schlong out. out. Full schlong. But have it this. <laughs> you got to show trunk yeah. on stage. Yeah. But have <laughs> That's it disfigured. Right. For, yeah. <laughs> Elephant Man should show trunk. That's what I'm saying. All right. Yes. <laughs> it's a man- mangled sprinkler head. I actually dick. think, I think pictures, on, I've. When you go look at Elephant Man pictures online, his dick is in the pictures. Do we uh, do we want to wrap this this was... segment up? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> All right. I think. Um, yeah, we might wrap. Yeah, I think this is a good stopping point. Uh, um, should we give out the phone number one more time? Uh, yeah, we can do that. The phone number again is nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Lots of lates in there. If you're in the New York area, that's local. If you're in America, you, <laughs> you probably have free long distance. Internet. If you're in parts more exotic and don't want to pay for the phone, you can send us a you know small file size audio file of your choice. Don't send us a huge file to the rules of acquisition. No, not the rule, but just rules of acquisition podcast at gmail.com. Try to keep it. Since the voicemail is three minutes, try to keep it below three yeah. minutes. If we start getting a whole lot, we might have to cut stuff. All right. Uh, well, thanks again yeah. for listening, and right. we'll see you next time on the Rules of Acquisition. Three, two, beam out. Beep. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod and on Tumblr at the rules of acquisitionpodcast.tumblr.com. I need help. I need to cross a border that's hard to define. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, or you don't, but you feel it because you felt other borders, like youth and adulthood, maybe. I can't change your fate but I can help you meet it. We begin our journey to the border tonight, midnight, the unfinished house at the edge of Crestwood View. Don't come unless you leave your front door open. You have to invite me in. This is not a cult why would you think this is like some dumb cult?